You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. With NFL playoffs right around the corner, NBA season in full swing, Bet Online has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. So head there today to get in on the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. We got a halftime review coming up. It's going to be three episodes. We're going to do the defense. We're going to do the offense. And we're going to go the, go and do the goalies. And I'm super excited for one of my favorite guests. And the first guest on the podcast in 2024. Happy New Year. And in Kenya, we got Jason Paul, our favorite, Wave Intel. And with all the analytics for Montreal Canadiens, how are you doing, man? Thanks, Patrick. I'm the first guest in 24. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Now, Jillian, you know, <laughs> she doesn't do hockey anymore. Otherwise, she would have been. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> happy to happy to be on. Yeah, love it. I uh, We did the one early in the season, so I'm excited to kind of, you know, circle back on these uh, players and talk about them. A lot has happened since that first or, or preview of the of, of, of the defense, really. You know, uh, we got young guys coming in. We got injuries, obviously, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what has stood out for you with the defense so far in general? Um, what has stood out? I think uh, last year's darlings were, um, analytics darlings at least, were Harris and Kovacevic, right? Um, they had that nice um, middle ground competition and um, and they played super well, you know, in their you know, in their zone and they were able to put up some good numbers. Everybody loves Gooley, what he did last year. Um, and, but you have some of the analytics people, you know, saying, you know, that the numbers weren't great. Uh, and it's true. The numbers weren't great for Gooley, the underlying numbers last year, but, um, but we all knew he was playing against the stiffest competition, right. And the same thing's happening this year. So you have, you have uh, Savard, Matheson and Gooley playing against the top um, guys on the other team. Um, and then you have the rest kind of, you know, falling in there. Kovacevic and Harris, they're not, they're not putting up the, the, the numbers that they did last year, but they're also not, you know, it's not devastating or anything like that. Harris has been noticeable to me with a bad start. And since he's come back from injury, he looks really well. And the numbers are, are, uh, have picked up quite a bit there. The, I think the most interesting thing statistically, um, with the underlying numbers this year has been Jack Eye, actually. And, uh, you know, well, it's easy because he's in AHL. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Obviously in the NHL, uh, his numbers in the NHL. And, um, you know, I I start those charts and I tweet them out all the time. And, you know, in the first five, 10 games, you got to take it with a grain of salt because the, the, um, the sample size is a bit too small, but after we hit that 10 game mark, I was looking at the numbers and I was like, wow, Jack guys numbers are, really really good the underlying numbers are really good the actual numbers goals for goals assist while he's on the ice were really really good and i was taking i was watching him play and i thought "Mm, i just like the step that he took Mm -hmm. uh he was doing a lot he was putting his body in front of players a lot like um 
um, like those strong D do, right? Like really positioning very well because last year it was a bit of a train wreck for him. I thought the first 25 games seemed to be, he seemed to be on the ice for odd man rushes almost every second shift. And he completely has cut that out of his game this year. So it was a huge surprise to me when he went down to the, not a huge surprise, obviously he went down to the HL because it was a waiver uh, situation and they obviously they wanted to see Struble, but if it was just on numbers alone, you know, it's hard to believe that he they they sent him down to the AHL. Would you argue that sending him down and the to the AHL is protecting him a bit because he's showcasing other players in order to facilitate that trade? We got there is a lot of D people coming in as well. You got Hudson obviously in the NCAA. You got Reinbacher in National League. Uh, you got Engstrom in SHL. These are three strong candidates to play in the AHL next year and and you need to create spots both in the AHL and in the NHL and showcasing some of these young talent that you're aware what you have but others might not be yeah I I think so I think Hughes is uh he's calculated smart guy right um and everything that we hear in the media is probably not what's necessarily said behind closed doors right why they sent him down and and um that kind of stuff. But I, I, I think you're right. I think the, the organization loves Jack. I, I mean, they drafted his brother, um, you know, that whole adage whereby players that were acquired by the previous GM necessarily are, you know, they could be on the way out kind of thing. People say that a lot. I don't think Jack is that kind of uh, asset. I think they, you're right. They're trying to protect him uh, by showcasing other players and for potential trades, but you know, off the air when we were chatting, it's quite possible that he could be the biggest trade target as well. I mean, classic GMs uh, that are going to the playoffs would would just lick their chops to acquire a guy like this, right? That who's got an entry level contract uh, who could potentially be something really, really big down the line. So, if there were offers, I I, I imagine they're pretty darn huge for him. Indeed, and, and I think that's you know. You, you you want to keep that because we have Mayu and we know that the GMs of other teams are most likely not looking at him still because of, of other issues. But uh, so, so he's going to be in that lineup for the foreseeable future as well. He's playing very strong. He's at the AHL All-Star game. He's taking those steps that we have asked to see as well. So So that's another player that you need to slot into that NHL lineup and next year or the year after that and and it's going to be crowded they're not going to move Gooley. they're not going to move reinbacher but the rest are more or less on the market unless and and maybe we take out jack i as well and hudson obviously. yeah i think so <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i did a tweet uh maybe a month ago um you know you like to to uh raise some hell on twitter once in a while and i was saying you know the most valuable defenseman on in the organization right now in order. And I put Hudson number one. Uh, of course he's got no NHL experience. He could be a bust, but as far as what he could potentially be for the organization, you, you got to put him at the num- number one. Uh, I put Gooley second and then um, I believe Reinbacher and then Jack I, because those guys have the unique, they have unique tools. You, you, you can go somewhere 
with those guys. You know how they say they draft players because he's got a great shot and will work on everything else. Well, Jack, I, those kinds of players don't grow on trees that can be that strong, can be a leader, can fight. Uh, and if he can just be an average defenseman and bring those pieces to the table, that's a very valuable player. Indeed. Looking at the pairings this year, and, and I know you have all those charts that you probably going to find in an article uh, pretty soon because you're <laughs> going to send them to me after this chat. And <laughs> yeah. which pairings has stood out? Because obviously we're looking at Caden Gooley and see his season and we think that, you know, he's doing great. Uh, we we look at Struble and Harris progressing into the NHL and playing strong. But, but we also have Baron, we have Kovacevic that we might not see there. We see Savard and, and Matheson, who is old-timers that, you know, we know what we got in them. But but we're mostly interested in what happens one, two years down the road and, and what trends can you see with these pairings? Yeah, I think it's probably... It's a bit of a challenge to look that far in advance, right? But um, um, it's what what we're seeing now. What we saw, what we always see, is Savard tends to be given the hardest uh, matchups, right? And last year and parts of this year, he was with Matheson, and when those guys are together, they absolutely they get caved in pretty good. Uh, but it does release everybody else to have to put up some good numbers, right? So uh, I just thought it was interesting that they switched it up recently, right? So they did separate Savard and, and Matheson, and I actually saw a little bit of success, I guess, with if you can see the past few games as a success, um, really tight games in the sense of score, and they won that last one. But again, the underlying numbers for both the last game against Colorado and Edmonton were pretty pretty bad. They got caved in pretty good. Um, what do I see in the future? Um, I think Gooley has got to be, and we talked about this in the pre the preview uh, at the beginning of the year. Is is Gooley going to be an Adam Fox, Makar, Carlson, Darlene? If I had to be a betting man, I would say no, because those guys not only are they big minute uh, five on five players. They're also big minute. They're the number one guys on the power play. And Gooley is not the number one guy in the power play right now. So what the question is, what is Gooley? And Gooley is going to be your number one shutdown five on five guy. He's the guy they're grooming for that. They're clearly doing that already, right? He's already, he's already got hard matchups. So he's going to be slotted to do that. So if you look, in the future, if is it, is it going to be Hudson and Reinbacher or Hudson and someone else that's going to slide in that second pairing after the first pairing takes the brunt of the the uh, other team's best players? I think that they, I don't know if that's what Hughes is looking for, um, but that's the way historically, not historically, but most recent Habs teams have been like that. So I wonder if that's exactly what we're going to see. Google asked the next uh, Jeff Petrie. Yeah, well, I mean, Petrie, I don't think so. I think um, more like a Weber, right? Mm-hmm. I think, well, I, no, I shouldn't say that because Weber was huge on the power play. More like, um, you know, uh, Jacob Slavin, right? Um, you know, like a McDonough kind of mm-hmm. guy. I think he should, he could probably be even better than McDonough. But McDonough, like, even in the playoff run where the Habs lost to the Lightning, I mean, 
it, was he the number one defenseman? No. no. But if you look at if you look at the game sheet after, he played the hardest big minutes, and he he basically um, bulldozed the Habs. If you, if you look back at that series, it wasn't the first line in the first pairing that killed the Habs. It was actually uh, Yanni Gord and the second D pairing with McDonough, basically. So I think the Habs in the future are going to kind of look at that. Aguli is probably going to settle in that. I could be totally wrong. I mean, he could all of a sudden start scoring lots of power play goals. But if Reinbacher or Hudson, they look to have more of that kind of uh, flair in them, don't they? The QB kind of flair, yeah, indeed, and and yeah, um, but but what about the old men's down here? We we spoke about them early, um, Jonathan Kovacevic and Justin Barron. You know, what are we going to do with them? Yeah, it's um, you know, I think we all fall in love with these players, and uh, I do too. I, I just love that these players are are doing well. Like I believe that. Montreal's, you know, bottom team here, but if the if the success is coming from anywhere right now, it's coming from the D. And it's, you know, no offense against Matheson and Savard, it's not really coming from the top two that are taking the most ice. It's actually the bottom end that's winning the battles against the other bottom part of the, the against the opponent's bottom part of the team, right? So, yeah. So Kovacevic, you mentioned, and uh, Baron. I think Baron has had a good season. Um, but you you look down the depth chart and there's probably going to be no room for those guys right unless they unless they quickly get rid of Savard trade Savard and Mathis I just I'm not sure they would trade both of those guys you're looking at one of them going for 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 a playoff run uh, you would assume that and and get some picks and assets and open up those roster spots that you might need for the future um, we got the trade deadline coming up in in March, but it's a long way to go there as well, and and you need to survive. On the other hand, you have the guys that want to see progress of the team in in the situation that Montreal is in. On the other hand, you also have the the other side of the coin that is the guys that want to see um, you know a tank in order to to get, <laughs> which looks like a very D heavy draft, but you know get some other players into that system. You know, like I said earlier, we fall in love with these players and let's not fool ourselves here. They're in a reset rebuild and Hughes is um, getting players that are convenient, including, um, you know, including Matheson, right? Like that was just part of the trade. He did a great trade getting him, but he, we're not going to keep these guys forever and they, they got to move on. And I think they're, they're not going to be scared to move with those guys. I think ideally they're going to move one of the veterans by the trade deadline. And in the summer, uh, I can see them moving one, at least one, if not a couple of the young, the younger players like they did with Romanoff. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another player we might have fallen in love with once or twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Looking at the D and, and the progression of, of the D, how would you rate the D uh, so far in the season? Have overachievers or, or, or what you expected or, or underachievers? As the whole decor, I think yeah. I would say overachieving because at the beginning of the year, you know, they played a lot last year and you would expect that one of them or two of them would fall off, you know, like, you know, 
whether it was Kovacevic or Harris, and they all Harris did at the beginning, I thought. And you don't know whether these guys have uh, nagging injuries or not. Uh, but it's 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 impressive. I think the and the style they play is is a challenging style. They're trying to play an up tempo kind of like a Colorado style, and they don't have the Macars and the players to to do it. But they're playing that style and they're taking their lumps while it happens. But they're you can just see now that they're playing more as a unit, um, you know, the, the close-in units. I'm I'm surprised that some of, you know, the nice plays that Struble makes. You know, he's only like 20 games into his NHL career. I love his short, his short game, little short passes. And um, the one thing I will pick out though that I I don't love about the game is, uh, and I mentioned it a couple times on Twitter, is is the they do a lot of recoiling. Uh, going back in their end, um, it's it's you know when you when you play hockey, you you love doing that. You love controlling. You think you're controlling the game by going back, but what you're really doing is you're allowing the other team to set up, right? And so many times, you know, Harris would take the puck back, uh, and you end up getting hemmed in your line in your in your end. Um, I think new school. Uh, Listeners might say, hey, that sounds like carrying, you know, just get it up and out. And that's not really what I'm saying, but they need to have a little bit of, of a mix. They got to manage the game a bit better. Um, so I think they kind of got to snap that out of their game game a bit. I really love Struble, how fast he moves the puck. And I I was commenting at the beginning of the year that that was one of the things that Jack I did very, very well, I thought, was move the puck quickly, not recoiling and turning around and deferring to your defenseman. You love to see a defenseman take charge and and want to make that nice pass or a nice play, right? Instead of keep recoiling and just deferring to your your partner. Let's say we lose a player or two on, on the deadline. Do you bring Shekai up? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, these guys have egos. I, I'm, I would love to know how he feels about that, right? I mean, he's proven that he can play in the NHL. If you go by statistics, I said earlier, he's got some of the best stats on the team. Of course, he's isolated compared to everybody else, but still he's doing extremely well in that position. So, and you're making a lot less money down there, right? So I think it's probably not a cool thing to keep him down there so long. And you don't want your tough guy fighting down there and stuff, but it seems like he's all the reports that I'm seeing is he's, you know, he's having a good time down there joking and, And um, and I think it's a cool thing that they 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 gel with the players down there. Uh, and I, I think one of the commentators made that comment about um, Armia because he was playing with um, um, Ruan. Uh, Ruan, yeah, and it, you know, yeah. and so I think, I, yeah, I think that's really cool. So they're building something there, and it doesn't seem that. Um, that um, these kinds of moves are pissing off the players. So, And also, no one, everyone in, in the AHL knows about Czechai's reputation, so you don't want to fight him unless it's absolutely necessary, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. You probably don't want to yeah, fight also, him anyways, but 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've spoken about it, and, and we're thinking, you know, the defense core, you mentioned they are overachieving. But we also have that pipeline, and and that is is one of you know we fall in love as you mentioned with players. Some people will have to be let go, and the pro they might even have great careers in other teams. But you know 
that's the way hockey goes. And if you can recuperate some assets and, and especially get some forward assets, because that's where Montreal lacking it right now, you, you're going to do those trades. And, and Hughes has shown that he has a nose for it and he has the ears for it as well and, and the brain for it to to be sly and, and wait out that good trade where he gets some extra asset more often than not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of Struble or Harris go in, in a trade, combine it with something in order to get a better pick somewhere else uh, in, in the upcoming draft. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you got you got to give to get, right? So like Romanoff is a good example. And I think they're going to have to do something like that. My personal opinion is I'm a, I'm a fan of sandpaper and I, I do believe that the bottom defensemen, the, the, the fifth and sixth guys, they, they, they got to be bigger, stronger guys that know how to play defense. Uh, I know that sounds old school, but I've seen a lot of teams, you know, we've seen teams have um, players in those positions in the fifth, sixth, like Harris that don't get a lot of ice time that these guys are good. Like you said, they're good NHLers and he's a puck mover and he's smart. Um, but if you can't crack into the top part of the lineup and be on the power play and you, what are you then? Right. Are you really just playing 14 minutes as a six D no penalty kill, no power play. Um, it's hard to make an impact there, but you can make an impact if you're a Jack eye, right. Who can, stick up for players who can make big hits, who can, you know, be a big body when it's needed. I, I think Struble, he's not a huge guy, but he's, he's plays got that huge. sandpaper. He's got, yeah. he plays big. And I, I just love what I see from him so far. So I, if I was a guessing man, I, I, I'm with you, Harris. Uh, and I think Baron, I think Baron, because I think he's got a good reputation in the league. He's played a lot of games. He looks good. He's played, he's scored quite a few goals. He's a, he's a big body. I think that's the kind of player that another team would definitely uh, be uh, be interested in. This contract is, is expiring and you need to send him out at the deadline in order to recuperate some of the assets. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Kovacevic, I mean, he's extremely serviceable, but I think, uh, you know, as far as pedigree and a higher draft pick and and uh, some offense, I think you're definitely looking more at, at value with Baron. I think. Indeed. And there you have it. We've been listening to Jason Paul with Wave Intel. Um, is there any of the charts that you're going to give me in a couple of minutes' time that you want uh, to explain to the audience before they go into print? <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'm 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 kind of uh, mildly famous for spitting out these charts. I mean, a lot of a lot of other people have these similar charts, but uh, when it comes to defensive defensemen and defensive play, I mean the the expected goals against is a very strong uh, indicator of of play of possession, right? Um, so it's not so great for forwards because you can not necessarily have a good expected goal but you're so good that you can, you know, like Kucherov doesn't need to get the chances that um, that a lot of players need to get, right? So, but for defensemen, it's good. So a lot of the charts I spit out are about expected goals. Um, and uh, you'll see, you'll see um, the higher they are in the chart in the top right. And I have them labeled properly. So you can see that that's where the 
best offensive and defensive defensemen are in the in the top right. And for the Habs, you're going to see you're only going to see ironically Jack Eye in that uh, in that quadrant for the Habs. Well, if, how much of it is dependent on on being low in the standings? Oh, huge, huge. I mean, defense and offense, but generally is it's a team game, right? So it's not an indicator uh, that because your your expected goals is is really bad over the course of a couple of seasons with the Habs that you're not going to have a you're not going to jump over to a good team and it's going to be good. Of course, it's going to be good. So it's just this is why the charts that I make are relative, right? So when you highlight the Montreal Canadiens, maybe they're low. All the defensemen are low compared to the rest of the league, but within the group of their their peers, their their um, teammates, you should be able to pick out, you know, who is uh, who is doing better than the other player, basically. Follow Wave Intel on Twitter. Ask him questions because Jason Paul is famous for answering and and give his thoughts. And there we might not agree all the time, <clears throat> Romano, but on the other hand, <laughs> we we. We we do do we do argue with a bit of a laugh and with a lot of respect yeah, sure. about how you should do it. Uh, we're looking forward to have you back, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Patrick. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.